Good morning. Man, what a powerful time of worship. I tell you what, so good. As we were just uh, singing, you know, that last song about the name of Jesus, I was just thinking about how that, you know, the power of the name of Jesus. The Bible says that he was given the name that is above every name. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it says in every, in every age, in the age to come. And then uh, in the book of Philippians, it says in every, this is the way I say it, in every realm. It says in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. The name of Jesus is supreme in every realm and in every age. It doesn't matter how far you go back, how far you go forward, heaven earth, under the earth, every realm, Jesus' name is supreme. And you know, the name Jesus is just a human name. It wasn't his divine name, it's the fact that as a man, he came and took back authority. He already had authority in heaven, but he took back authority in earth and in hell. He had the keys of death and hell and the grave. Jesus' name is supreme in every age and in every realm. It doesn't matter what generation you're in. Jesus' name reigns supreme. And the effectiveness of that name is based on our revelation of who He is. That's what I was saying. It's a human name. There were many people named Jesus in the time that He was here. But it's Jesus of Nazareth. The Son of God. The one who died, but who is alive again. <laughs> the one who we have been united in spirit to. One spirit eternally with Him. And now we are the body of Christ in the earth. Hallelujah. What the head desires, the body is able to carry out. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, in every age. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so as we were worshiping Bob, Pastor Bob got a message from, uh, I think from Justin Lee. And so he got a good report on little Riker. We did a uh, prayer clock. Yeah, just go ahead and give the Lord. I didn't even get a chance to say what it is. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the details, but the report of the doctors is lining up with the report of the Lord. And it shall be, as the Lord said it, that by the stripes of Jesus, Riker Lee is healed. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, The very life of God. Is restoring and making his body back whole again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All things are possible through him. Nothing is impossible through him. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or even imagine. Hallelujah. According to the power in heaven. No, 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 no. According to the power at work. Within us. Come on now. Within us. 
the body of Christ. Hallelujah. It shall be as we say, because we're going to say it as God said it. Hallelujah. The name above every name. (laughs) In every realm and in every age. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So the report of the doctors is lining up with the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. See, because God's word is forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. So the word of the doctors, they're just looking at what they can see in the physical realm, in the natural realm, which is temporal. But God's word is forever settled in eternity, in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. We are supposed to be declaring on earth what God has declared from heaven. This this has nothing to do with my message, but I'm just going to go with it. (laughs) That's what prophecy is. It's the will of God spoken through man so that it's established on earth as it is in heaven. Man. And our authority to do that is based on who Jesus is. The authority to operate in that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is based on the fact that we are united to him. He has given us power of attorney. That means we act on his behalf. We are able, authorized by his name, to establish his will on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. That's kingdom That's the kingdom come. That's God's desire is that the kingdom of heaven impact earth in such a way that people are able to experience heaven on earth. Oh, man. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're important. You're important. You are a part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And God is desiring to manifest and express himself through his body. Hallelujah. All of us together functioning as one. Hmm. The same anointing that's on the head flows all the way down to every part of the body. I said the same anointing is on the head. It was on Jesus. The same anointing. Not a lesser anointing. Not a measure of the anointing. The same anointing by the same Holy Ghost that was operating on and through Jesus' life is upon us. And desiring, God is desiring for us to release that anointing. Oh my goodness. I was thinking about in worship that the first, uh, the primary purpose of the anointing, we think of the anointing like, okay, it's the burden-bearing, yoke-destroying, burden-bearing power of God. You know, that phrase was coined by some of the old generals of the faith. They used to say that. It's the yoke-destroying, burden-bearing power of God. That comes from the book of Isaiah. But the first uh, purpose of the anointing is to be poured out. You remember the story of the woman who poured out the anointing oil on the feet of Jesus? That's the first purpose of the anointing, to be poured out on Him. Oh, my goodness. That's why our worship is so important. It's not just singing songs, guys. It's setting an atmosphere. It's pouring out 
It's pouring out the anointing on the feet of Jesus that creates an aroma that's irresistible to God's glory to manifest. That's what we're here for. It's to encounter the living God. And when we encounter him, he is life. What is sickness and disease? It's the absence of life. What is addiction? What are disorders? What are all these things, these maladies that come upon the human race and that are afflicting the world and the church even? It's the absence of life. It's that we're not partaking of the life of God that Jesus provided for us. It's what eternal life is. It isn't a quantity of life in the next age. It's a quality of life. It's life as God has it. That's what Jesus came to give us. Life. The very divine life of God is on the inside of the believer. And as we pour our hearts out, we pour the anointing out on the feet of Jesus. The life of God, the glory of God is manifest and He can meet the needs. He can deliver those that are bound. He can heal those that are sick. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Those who are dead spiritually, separated from God, He can resurrect you and give you newness of life. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. If there's anybody here this morning that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I was going to stay up on that, but I'm going to get down here. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I implore you this morning. Hmm. Listen to what I have to say this morning. Jesus already did everything that was required for you to be able to come to God. And by not not partaking of what he provided on the cross through his death, through his burial and resurrection, is to deny the inheritance It's just to reject the inheritance that God wants you to have that belongs to you. Oh, my goodness. I wasted a lot of years. I didn't really come to the Lord till I was 33 years old. I wasted a lot of years. I wasted a lot of years. If I could talk to myself at that age, boy. I'd like to set myself down back when I was a teenager and tell myself some things. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Boy, I'd try though. I'd like to tell him some things. Tell him what he's going to miss out on. You know, get him uh, on the path of life. Because listen, I thought that I, I grew up around church. I thought I had to qualify myself. Oh, man. I thought I had to qualify myself for the things of God. I believed that I had to be good enough. You know, I had this understanding of Christianity, a legalistic understanding of it, that I had to, by my performance, qualify myself to partake of the things of God. I had it all backwards. I found out the only reason God gave with the law was to wake us up to the fact that we were sinners at heart that we were by nature children of the devil. 
and that I couldn't change my nature if I could be good from, from then to the rest of my life. I couldn't change my nature. I was born in sin. I was born a child of the devil. And you know what sin, sinners do? They sin. It's their nature. <laughs> I was just acting on my nature. But I found out that the law was supposed to wake me up to something. To realize there was nothing I could do about my situation. So that the gospel could be presented. The good news that Jesus qualified me by his death, burial, and resurrection. He took the wrath of God in my place. So that my sins could be forgiven. That I could be reconciled to God. And receive my inheritance now. That I could begin to partake of the goodness of God. David said, I believe I'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Not in heaven. In the land of the living. It's time the church wake up and realize we have a great inheritance. Not waiting on us in heaven. In the land of the living. The reason the devil robs us is because we're trying to qualify ourselves to partake of what Jesus already qualified for. And if you're trusting in your own works, you're not trusting in His. You can't trust in both at the same time. We have to abandon our self-righteousness, abandon our trust in our own works, abandon our trust in our own performance, and fully glorify Jesus by putting all our faith in what He did, realizing that we could never do anything to qualify ourselves for the goodness of God. We don't have to. <laughs> Man, that's what got my attention 20 years ago. Was I actually heard the good news <laughs> that Jesus already qualified me. Hmm. And that worked effectually in my heart to produce not only the desire, but the ability to start living in the life that God designed for me. And the life that he desired for me. Because I was able to give the stiff arm to the devil. <laughs> you know, where he had been running my life. Finally, I found in Jesus, through faith, the ability to just kind of, you know, in football, you know, they give them the stiff arm and just run on by. That's the way I was able to do the devil. The things that had held me in bondage for years, I was able to just say, no thanks. That's not who I am anymore. Oh, man. The old man died. The old man died. And I was raised in newness of life, one with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, that was all free and extra. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We've been talking about Master Class, the message series Master Class, which is a look at Jesus in the Old Testament. So to tie it to kind of what I was talking about is that the more we understand about Jesus and what he did for us, the more we can release our faith to experience that. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday. They had gotten a bad report from the doctor. I was talking to them. And um, they believe Jesus died for their sins. But I was telling them, I said, man, Jesus bore our sicknesses the same at the same time and in the same manner 
that he bore our sin, he also bore our sicknesses. And they were like, what? And I said, yeah, it says in Isaiah, he bore our sickness, carried our pains. <coughs> he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. And they said, I didn't realize that. I said, well, see, what you don't know, you can't partake of. That's why we teach. We want to unveil to the saints all that Jesus did. And listen, by looking back, we don't get more revelation. We don't get new theology. We just get a deeper understanding of what the New Testament reveals about what Jesus provided for us. So I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed looking at these. You know, we looked at the kinsman redeemer, how that Jesus uh, paid the price. The price was his blood. And he did it willingly. There were, in the Old Testament law, there were requirements for somebody to redeem somebody out of slavery. And Jesus met all those legally. We looked at the right hand. The right hand of God is Jesus. We looked at the rock. Pastor taught on the rock. He's the rock of our salvation. You know, uh, he's the foundation we build our life on. We can run to the rock. He's our stronghold. The righteous run into it and they're saved. We looked at the promised seed, how that from the very beginning, after the fall of man, God was prophesying the coming of a person. Jesus didn't come to bring a new religion, a new code of conduct. He came, a person came to bring about the redemption that God desired for mankind. And then we looked at the serpent on the pole last week and how that Jesus became sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him and be healed. And so this week we're going to talk about the sacrifices in the Old Testament as we wrap this up. But the point of this is that in John 5 and 39, let me do this here. Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. We should always read the Bible looking for Jesus. So many people look for them, but we need to look for Jesus. When you find him, you'll find yourself. As a believer, when you find him, you find you because you're one with him. And so what you find is everything that belongs to you because the Holy Spirit came to reveal that everything he is and everything he has is yours. Mm. Yes, as he is, so are we in this world. That's what the Apostle John said. You know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 16, that he would uh, lead us into all truth. That he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What What was he saying? The Holy Spirit's job is to come and convince you that as he is, so are you in this world. And now everything that belongs to him belongs to the church. And you know what he said, Elsie said, in another place, he said, everything the Father has is mine. (laughs) So that tells me that everything that belongs to God belongs to his church. (laughs) And, And our identity is in him. Because listen, our old man died. We were raised in new life, but he didn't take on our identity. We took on his The whole scripture is about Jesus. That's why we preach Christ-centric here, because everything is about him. 
And if you want to know, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, not people. He glorifies Jesus. So if you want to know if somebody's speaking uh, from the Holy Spirit, they're going to be glorifying him. So that's what we've endeavored to do in this teaching is to glorify Jesus. And in the Old Testament, they had a system of sacrifices. In fact, there were a lot of sacrifices. There were five main types of sacrifices. It took five main types of sacrifices to prophetically communicate all that Jesus would provide for us. Not one would be able to do it. That's incredible that all these different kinds of sacrifices had to be made in order to effectively uh, communicate all that Jesus would do through his one offering. (laughs) They made offerings 24-7, 365 for thousands of years, and all of those sacrifices were just simply communicating what Jesus would do in one offering. Oh my goodness. And these, these sacrifices, the five main alone, could be a whole message series. So I just have uh, 45 minutes. So we're not going to do... <laughs> and I knew that coming in. I was like, I might not be able to talk about all those. But I will say this. Three of those sacrifices were free will offerings. They weren't even required. They were just, you want to give an offering to worship the Lord? You bring it. A whole burnt offering, a grain offering, and a peace offering. And those symbolize Jesus willingly giving himself in his perfection. That's what they symbolize. In fact, the last one, the peace offering, was the only offering that the person who brought the offering got to eat part of it. And it symbolized fellowship with God. See, the sacrifices of Jesus, the purpose of them was to reconcile us back to our Father so that we could have fellowship with God. So anyway, I don't want to get too carried away. But the other two, the trespass offering, the sin offering, those were symbolic of Jesus bearing our iniquities and becoming sin. And these were required offerings because they were required to meet every legal demand that the law had against man because of sin. Oh, you missed that. You missed that because Jesus fulfilled every one of these offerings. Mm. He met every legal demand that was against men because of sin. He met them. He fulfilled them. That means he paid the full price. He paid the required price. He paid our debt in full and there's nothing left for anyone else to pay. But to simply believe on the sacrifice that he made for us, be reconciled to our Father, have fellowship with God, and let the uh, let his relationship with us begin to affect us on a heart level where our desires change and we have the ability to walk in the ways and in the will of God and in the destiny that he had for you. See, the devil has a destiny for you, but it's destruction. God has a destiny for you, but it's a life of purpose. It's a life of, of uh, expressing and releasing the kingdom of God on the earth. So i got to get off of those. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 1 says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, 
not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is I'm going to contrast the Old Testament sacrifices with what Jesus did so we can see the value of his one offering. First thing we note is that in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were just shadows. But not the very image or the substance of the good things to come. Anyway, in other words, God had some good things he desired. And for a, a temporary, for a period of time, he instituted this sacrificial system. But they were only shadows. It's like my shadow. You know, what is a shadow? A shadow is produced by an object standing in light or a person. So that light is hitting me. It's casting a shadow. Well, listen, God finished everything in eternity before he ever began anything. In God's, in, in God's estimation, which is reality, in eternity, this is all done and wrapped up and finalized and finished. Listen, no matter what you're going through, God's not in it there. He's on the other side of it. That's why he declares our victory from the end before. No matter what you're going through, you can know that you're coming through it. Because he's already declared the end from the beginning. Oh my goodness. So these were only shadows, but they were given. You can get some information about a shadow. You can see if I'm jumping up and down or I'm standing still. But it's not the substance. These sacrifices were shadows. They could tell you some things, but they pointed to something greater. They were prophetic. They were prophesying about something to come. But they were only temporary until Christ should come and bring the substance of what those sacrifices represented. Oh, that he would meet every legal demand that was against us because of our sin. That he would meet every legal requirement of the law that was against man because of sin. And bring us into a place where we could freely worship God uh, as a free will offering unto God. That we could freely worship in Him. And those free will offerings were a sweet smelling aroma to God. So our worship now isn't required See, the other offerings that were required, they were not a sweet-smelling aroma to God. They weren't. It, does, it says that in the Scripture. Le- Leviticus 1-7 through 7 tells you all about this. They weren't. But the free will offerings, hmm, the free will offerings were a sweet-smelling aroma. Listen, until you get free of the, of the idea that you're required, you can never offer freely. The free will offerings of God that are a sweet smell and savor unto him. Oh man. That's what understanding the completeness of Christ's sacrifice does. Is it frees you to worship God from the heart. Oh man. But they were required. Because the legal demands of the law had not yet been met. These were prophetic. They pointed to something greater. Man, we are so blessed. We live in the substance. I said we live in the substance. 
Jesus already died before you were ever born, before I ever did anything wrong, before I ever rebelled against him, before I ever sinned, before I ever did anything and rejected him. He already died for my sins. He already bore my rebellion. He already bore my iniquity. He already bore my sickness, my addiction, everything that I would ever go through. He already carried it. And he already met every legal demand so that I can freely offer myself a sacrifice unto God. I can freely have fellowship with him now. These were a shadow, but not the very substance of the things that he came to provide for us. Boy, I tell you what, man. The devil wants to keep us from understanding That's what I was telling that person I was talking to yesterday. I said, the enemy wants to keep you out of that book because you didn't even know that Jesus bore your sickness. And the people of God are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I said, the devil can't take away your access to to healing, but he can try and blind you from understanding that it already belongs to you. That's what he does. He's just trying to keep us distracted so we won't actually find out what's written in the will. And then through religious traditions, he wants to put our will, our inheritance off till the future. Because you can't partake of what you postpone. Oh my goodness. But I'm telling you, we don't receive an inheritance when we die. You receive an inheritance when the person who left it for you dies. So when Jesus died on the cross and he was raised from the dead and he ascended back into heaven, the inheritance of the kingdom of God was released to the saints, to the body of Christ. Man, we have the authority in his name to release the power of God, divine life, the very essence of God's nature and character into the earth and through our lives. We have the substance. Look at Romans chapter 3. Do I have that here? Yes, I do. I'm going to read starting in verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I I used to read that all have sinned and falling short. I always thought of it as like a present reality. But actually the Lord showed me it's past tense. All have sinned and fall short. That means every person. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. If you've ever sinned once in your life, you fall short. It's, that is like a verdict. <laughs> you fall short of the glory of God. And there's nothing you can do to qualify you to partake of the glory of God. That's what this statement is. It's a conclusion Based on the revelation of scripture. That we all fall short of the glory of God. So what that means is I could never do anything about my condition. I could never change it. There's no good that I could do. I could quit sinning now and never sin again for the rest of my life. It still wouldn't cause me to to be able to qualify myself for the glory of God. Why? I already fall short. You have to understand that first. That's why the the preaching of the culture that we're good people is so destructive to people receiving the gospel because we think we're good. You know, 
you know, based on whose opinion? <laughs> you know, you know, God's declaration is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in this dilemma. It's the same. Why? We were all born of Adam. We all were born in sin. We were born with a nature separated from God. But the good news is that being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The word redemption means a payment was made to release a slave. We were slaves to Satan and to sin. See, that's why the gospel isn't always only about freeing us from the penalty of sin. So that's what most religious Christianity is about. Freed from the penalty of sin so I can go to heaven. That's not... That is, that is a truth. Justified means I've been freed from the penalty of my sin. But it, if you just have a ticket to heaven, then how does that affect the way that you live on earth? See, not only were we freed from the penalty of sin, but we were freed from the power of sin. Not only freed from the penalty of sin, but freed from slavery to sin. You know, honestly, I'll just be honest with you. Whenever I was in Creek County Jail and I got saved, I wasn't thinking about heaven. I was thinking about the hell I was living in on earth. (laughs) And I cried. That's where I think a lot of people miss it. Well, that too. (laughs) But I didn't know if I was getting out. So I was wanting some help. (laughs) I remember I said, I told the Lord, I said, if I'm in here two weeks or 20 years, I was serious. I said, I surrender my life to you. Do what you will. If you can make, if you can do anything with this mess, here it is. Have good luck. But I was looking for transformation. I was looking for being delivered from myself because I was well aware that my, (laughs) I was well aware that the issues of my life were because of my own dumb choices. But what I found out through the gospel is there was something driving that. There was a nature on the inside of me that was driving me to sin. And I could experience a little reprieve for momentary times, but my nature was a sinner. And I couldn't be reunited to God in the ability to have fellowship with Him and have His power working in my life because I was separated from Him. Because all have sinned and fall short. But the gospel was presented to me. And I found out that God would that He justified me. Not that He would, that He had already justified me. In fact, the Bible says that when we were justified, he was raised. It wasn't until mankind was justified from God's side that Jesus was raised from the dead. In fact, it was our justification that released Jesus to be raised from the dead. It's already an accomplished and a finished work in the mind and on the side of God. 
The gospel is just declaring it to people so they can know about it and they can partake of it. And they can experience the freedom and the liberty that comes with understanding you've been forgiven of all of your sins. You've been justified eternally in the sight of God and now you can come home. The prodigal cannot come home. And God's not waiting with a belt. He's waiting to hug you and fall in your arms and kiss on you. And restore the robe of righteousness to you. To put the signet ring on your finger and shoes on your feet. To change the way that you walk. To change the way that you live. Free from the power of sin. That's the greatest part to me. (laughs) I mean, in eternity, yes, praise the Lord, glory to God. I mean, if all he did was free us from the penalty of sin and we knew that when we died we were going to heaven, I'd praise him forever for that. But, that's not it. Because his purpose was never to take us to heaven. If he wanted mankind in heaven, he would have created Adam and put him in heaven, not in a garden on earth. The reason he placed him on earth is because we were custom designed to live on this earth and be an expression of God here. Our purpose is not in heaven. Our purpose is on the earth. And you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be fulfilled until you're fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. That's where you find it. Man, I ran around for so many years trying to find meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment through things. I drank everything, smoked everything, snorted everything, ate everything, popped everything, and never found it. I used to say all the time, man, I used to get high now, and then I found the most high. And I still haven't come down. That's it, man. I found the most high. I, I can't get enough. Glory. Man, that always came with a hangover. It always came with some kind of consequences. Jesse, boy, I see him shaking his head. Yes, he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> man, if it was so good, listen. If it was so good, you wouldn't be praying the next morning, let me live. I won't ever do this again. <laughs> Problem is, you wake up the next day, you forgot about the night before. You still don't feel good, so you go out and do it again. Insanity. (laughs) Insanity. Oh, man. (laughs) D knows. (laughs) I found the most high. Still haven't come down. I don't plan on it either. There's no side effects. You can't OD. (laughs) I would say they can't arrest you, but they can. (laughs) But gladly. Because I'm free on the inside. That's what I found out. Mm. Hallelujah. So anyway, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption... That's in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. That just means satisfaction. By his blood through faith to to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed. I want to talk about the word forbearance. Because this is how God dealt with people under the old covenant with the sacrifices. He was just operating in forbearance. There was no substance to those at all. 
Forbearance is like, let's say a person loses their job. They have a mortgage. They lose their job. They can't make their payment. You can go to the mortgage company and they'll do a forbearance, which means they'll suspend your payments for a period of time until you can actually make the payment. That's how God was operating in the Old Testament, by forbearance. He was suspending his judgment against sin until the payment could come. And when the payment was made, it gave substance to all of the sacrifices that had ever been made. So Jesus, I like to say this, when Jesus was on the cross, he had one arm reached out this way and one reached this way. Meaning he was covering sin from eternity past to eternity future. He was forgiving the sins of the entire human race. That's why David prophetically said, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Past and future. You say, well, God can, can forgive sins in the future? Absolutely. He even did. Listen, under the old um, covenant, there was no removal of sins. It was simply covering. Let me, let me see here. Let's, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10. It says, in those sacrifices, verse 3, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. See, God's desire, under the old covenant, he simply covered sins, but they weren't removed. And what God wanted was that those sins be removed so that there was no longer a separation between him and man, but that we could be reconciled to fellowship with God. It was simply covering And so that's what he was doing in the Old Testament. He was covering. And he did it in the future. Do you know on the Day of Atonement, once a year, when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and made the offering, it was for the year to come. It wasn't for the ones that had already happened. It was for the sins. It was covering the sins for another year so that God's favor could be on his people. Oh, wow. I thought we were just forgiven sin to sin. No. Your sins were forgiven when you accepted Christ. Your sins were already forgiven, but you received the benefit of it past, present, and even future. A lot of people say heresy about that, but that is the the absolute truth. Some of y'all are looking at me like, you got to be kidding me. You mean God can forgive sins in the future? You better hope so because he died on the cross 2,000 years before you were ever born. All of your sins were future. So if he can't forgive a sin in the future, you're still a sinner. You're still in your sins. (laughs) All of your sins were future. You're just on the other side of the cross. As soon as Jesus paid the substance of the sacrifices, it went all the way back and all the way forward. Mm -mm. But see, it was only a covering in the Old Testament. Man, how blessed are we? Our sins are removed. Our sins are removed. Say, well, what about when I sin tomorrow? Well, your sin is removed. 
It can affect your fellowship because on your end, when you sin and you know it, your own heart's going to condemn you. And you will not enjoy your fellowship with the Lord because you know that something, you have done something that's not in agreement with his will. And he gave us a provision for that. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse our heart of all unrighteousness. Feelings of unrighteousness. First John chapter 3 says, Beloved, if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have, we have uh, faith toward God. It's not God condemning. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But your own heart can condemn you. And condemnation of your own heart can cause you to stay stuck in cycles. Stay, keep you stuck in bondage because you won't walk in close fellowship with the Lord. Hmm. But under the old covenant, they were just covered. But under the new, our sins have been removed. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed. That was David talking in the future. Removed our transgressions from us. Say, well, when you start telling people that, they're going to think that it's okay for them to sin. Hmm. Let me ask you, how many of you are sitting there going, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> You know what I'd say if you are? You need to get born again. Because <laughs> if you're taking what I'm saying as, oh, good, that means I can just go sin. Then you haven't been born again. Because when you get born again, you get a new heart with new desires. He said, I'll take the old stony heart out and put a heart of flesh in its place. He changed your, your want to. That's what happened. When I got saved, I didn't want to anymore. I didn't want to for a long time before that. I just didn't have the ability to give any of it up. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Maybe some of y'all ain't got sick and tired enough yet. I don't know. (laughs) But he removes our sin from us so that we can't be held in bondage anymore. For it was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It wasn't impossible. It didn't do anything. God was taking it like a promissory note. But he already knew Jesus was coming to bring substance. Why? Because he finished everything before he began anything. That's so hard for us to wrap our mind around. Let it settle into your heart. He declared the end from the beginning, guys. He's standing at the end of your life. Mm. Look at what John said. John 1, 29. John the Baptist said, it says the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. (laughs) Takes away. See, he knew. He grew up with this sacrificial system. He knew all about the lambs of God. But he knew that they couldn't, they didn't have power to take away sin. They were simply covering like a Band-Aid. Putting a Band-Aid on a problem. But Jesus came and he took it away. He, he healed us of our sin problem. 
<laughs> he healed us of our sin problem and what was keeping us separated from God. Look at this in Romans chapter 4. You know, David is speaking prophetically again. He says this, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. This is Old Testament. No, it's not in the Old Testament. He's speaking in the Old Testament. And this is talking about uh, the way God dealt with sins in the Old Covenant. They were covered. And he said there's a blessing on that. There was a blessing on it. It was good for them in the time that they lived in. But how many of you know the book of Hebrews says that we have a better covenant with better promises? Hallelujah. Better. (laughs) Mm, A better covenant, better promises. Why? We have the substance. They only had the shadows. Mm. This is talking about the old covenant way that God dealt with sin. But look at this. Some of y'all ain't going to believe this in your Bible. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. That's talking about in the new covenant. Blessed is the man whose sins are covered. But blessed is the man to whom the Lord. Does that say shall not? (laughs) I want to point something out here. Those whose sins are covered. Those are talking about sins in the past. When you say he shall not do something, is he talking about in the past or is he talking about in the future? The future. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not, impute means charge, sins. Some of y'all ought to be a lot more excited about that than that. (laughs) That's a blessing, isn't it? (laughs) blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin man that ought to be a relief so we're we're just free to sin No, no listen there's still an enemy and his whole His whole strategy is to tempt you to sin so he can get access to your life. There's a couple reasons why we don't sin as believers. It's not our nature anymore. So when you sin now, there's a conflict within you. Your own heart's going to condemn you and you're going to be... Listen, before I got saved, I was sinning and it didn't bother me a bit. I didn't like the consequences of it. But I was, me and my cousin used to say that, we're looking for something wrong to do. Y'all, some of y'all don't relate. You weren't as bad as me, I guess. I don't know. But I have come, you know, to a full understanding of who I was. That's why that man had to be killed. He couldn't be reformed. Oh, man. We did. We were like, man, we were looking for something wrong to do. <laughs> Just the way it was. Mm, I didn't like the consequences. 
but he will not impute sin to the believer. The devil will. So the first reason is not your nature. The second reason is, is whoever you submit yourself as a slave to, you're his slave. So if you just freely submit yourself to sin, you're just offering yourself as a slave to the devil. You're just giving him open doorway. Hey, hey, Mr. Devil, just come on in. I don't know about you, but that helps me. Because I know God's on my side. He's not against me. He's not imputing sin to me. When I do sin, I run to the Father. I don't run away from the Father. I run to the Father. He's not your problem. He's your answer. If God's your problem, you don't have an answer. What are you going to do? He shall not impute sin to the believer. Man, I don't know about you, but that really, that's awesome. Why? Because no matter what's going on in my life, not because of my goodness, not because of my performance, I can say with full conviction, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can say with full conviction, I'm as righteous as Jesus is because Jesus is my righteousness. But people who are trusting in their own righteousness, they think they're good. They're going to, they're going to run into it. Be careful if you think you're standing, lest you fall. That's a problem. That's why religion is so dangerous. Because it puts you on your own two feet. Man. That's good stuff. Let's drop down to Hebrews 10, 16. Because under the new covenant, this is what he's saying. This is backing up what David said in Romans 4. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. So later, after the old covenant, he made a new. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. That means he's going to give us the desire to live the life of his design. And in their minds, I'll write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. You know what I love about that? It's not as if God gets amnesia. Like he, he can't, he doesn't know what's going on or he's forgotten. Like I forget where I put my keys. No, it means that he has chosen to send Jesus to take away our sins so that he would never have to remember them against you again. <laughs> As if they never happened. That's right, brother. Our, their sins were covered. Ours are removed. And the third point that I wanted to make about this is that those sacrifices were continual. They never ended. I, I, you know, when you think about all the animals that were slaughtered, it is horrendous. Did you know just to sanctify the temple after they built Solomon's temple, that he, he killed like over 22,000 animals in one day. I was thinking about that one day. I was like, how many would that be a minute? It's crazy to think about it. They, they were working overtime. Trust me. 
Double time, not overtime, double time. They did it all in one day. And you know what? All of that never accomplished. It was, you know, the reason why it was continual? It was to show us that what we do could never take care of the sin problem. That what we do could never take care of the sin problem. And the priests, they worked constantly in shifts. There were groups of them, and they had to work in shifts because the work never ended. Look at this scripture in verse 11. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. The one piece of furniture they didn't have in the tabernacle was a chair. Because no one ever got to sit down. Why? The work was never finished. It was just continual. Just continuous working. And religion will put you on that hamster wheel. You'll work, work, work. Work, work, work. And never get anywhere. Jesus said, he was talking about that very thing when he said, Come unto me, you who labor and are heavy laden. Do you realize he wasn't even talking about laboring and being heavy laden because of sin? He was talking about because of religion. And I'll give you rest. (laughs) But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Oh man, I'm telling you. What does that mean? It means that he has finished the work of redemption. Why? When he finished the work of redemption, he sat down. There's nothing left to do. And when you believed on him, you are seated with him in heavenly places. You are seated in redemption. You are seated in your sonship. You are seated in righteousness. You are seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of God. And Ephesians says that's far above every principality, every power, every might, every dominion, every name. Back to that. Every name in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every name in every age. That means that in Christ Jesus, you have the use of his name and you have authority in his name over all of the power of the enemy. Why? Because when Jesus died, he disarmed and defeated all of the powers of darkness. He transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love. You're not going to enter the kingdom when you die. You enter the kingdom when you say, yes, Jesus. When you say, Jesus is Lord, you are born into the kingdom of God. You are born a son with the very DNA of God. You are born an heir, an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Mm. Joint heirs don't get a piece of the pie. Hmm. <laughs> joint heirs you'll be careful saying that in Creek County <laughs> joint heirs <laughs> see I'm still renewing my mind <laughs> uh, 
That was, somebody was thinking that. That's why I said it. <laughs> you know what's funny? On this side, you can see everybody who knows what you're talking about. <laughs> There's some of them like down here, they don't know. They're like, huh? <laughs> And then there's some major going, yes, I know. <laughs> a joint heir doesn't each get this, get a piece. The joint heir, they share the same inheritance. Oh, my God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. It's from that time waiting till his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. Well, the feet are part of the body. Mm. Listen, I know we're living in the last days, but that word's prophetic right there. It says he is waiting till something happens. In First Peter, no, Second Peter, it says he's not slack. Concerning his promise about returning. He is coming back. Write it down. Get in the ark. Jesus is the ark. If you're not in the ark, you better get in the ark. He is coming back. But now I'm talking to the body of Christ. He's waiting until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. That means there are a people. Oh. That means God saw prophetically ahead. And there is a people that are going, oh my goodness. There is a people that are going to put their foot on his enemies. Few of y'all believe that. There is a people collective people there is a remnant of people who are going to put their feet on the enemy listen he is waiting until that happens he is waiting are we going to be the people listen because he'll just go to the next generation he'll go is this the generation am i looking at a generation that's ready to put their feet on the head of the enemy he's waiting until he is, we're not waiting on him. That's the problem. We've been waiting for too long. We've been singing, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly, fly away some glad morning. Listen, he, we are not waiting on him. He said, I'm coming back. Jesus said, write it down, count on it. I am coming back again. We are not waiting on him. In fact, I'll say this. I believe there, he is going to appear in his church before he appears in the sky. Right. Oh, come on. That went right over your head. There is a people that he is going to make himself known in before he ever appears in the eastern sky. There is an appearing of Christ coming, but there's going to be one in his body before there is one in the sky. It just depends. Are we going to be that people? I said, are we going to be that people or not? Are we going to put our feet on the head of the enemy? Are we going to be the people who believe God and rise up and say, I will put my feet on the head of the enemy. I will not be distracted by the things of this world. 
world. I will not be deceived by the enemy into believing I'm anything less than what Jesus Christ redeemed me to be. I said, are we going to be that generation that ushers in the coming of Jesus Christ? He's waiting. He is waiting. I said, he is waiting until he is waiting until he is waiting until he is waiting until a people rise up. He's waiting for a people. We've been saying this for several years now who wake up, who wake up, who wake up and realize who they are in him and begin to stand and begin to operate in the inheritance that he left for them, which is the kingdom of God, which was prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. I said, are we that people? Are we that generation? There's an appearing coming. Mm. Hallelujah. Just go ahead and keep standing. Just go ahead and stand up to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you glory. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you glory. Hey. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Why do you think he sent the Holy Spirit? If it was just about going to heaven, it's about bringing heaven to earth putting our feet on the head of the enemy and ushering in the king. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to be the people. We want to be a part. We want to be a part. We want to be a part of the people who you make your appearing in and you usher in your appearing in the sky. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Just begin to worship. Hallelujah. Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Think about it. something personal but listen it's about us standing in the gap for our families putting our feet on the head of the enemy bringing them all into the ark which is Jesus Christ we're not taking it anymore and I'm not even saying they're not born again if they're not born again to get born again but I'm talking about if they're just out of the way 
if they're just out of the way, that we're believing for them to come back. And I just want you to pour out your anointing oil on the feet of Jesus. Let the aroma, the sweet-smelling aroma that is pleasing to the Father, just begin to permeate the atmosphere and His glory. Then you begin to tell Him what you're believing for. You say their name. You declare to the enemy that He has no right over their life, that He can't have them, and that we claim them for the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, in the name that's above every name. And I want you to sing that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak a holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, Jesus for my family, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus, one more time, one more time, and Jesus for my Hallelujah. Just begin to give praise. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you that our family members are coming in to the assembly of the saints, Father God. They are coming in to be assembled in the body of Christ and to be sent into the places that you've prepared for them, that you've called them to, to fulfill the purpose for which you created them in their life. We give you glory for it, Father God. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Lord. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. We call prodigals home in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We call the prodigals home in the name of Jesus. Come back. The Father is waiting with arms open wide. Hallelujah. Run to his arms. Mm. That pig pen you're in, that's not the making of the Lord. That's the enemy's pig pen. Get out of there. That's not your house. I said, get out of there. That's not where you belong. You were made for the presence of God 
You're a member of the family. Come back. In the name of Jesus, quit eating that slop. Come back and eat of the good word of the Lord. Quit eating that slop. Mm. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. I believe there's been many names spoken this morning. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. And we will not be deceived by what we see with these eyes. We've, we've made a spiritual transaction this morning. It is done in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Father God, that we will see. Oh, I said we will see the manifestation of them returning or even coming for the first time in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. So good, Father. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, We worship you, Father God. You're so good. You're so good. Hallelujah. Yes. We worship you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. We want to hear you, Lord. We want to hear you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. When I started this, you were thought of. When I started this, your children were thought of. When I finished it, you were thought of, and your children were thought of. So today, in the heavens and in the realm of the earth, relax in me. For I have breathed upon them. Hallelujah! Glory! (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, just give the Lord a praise for speaking to us this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Okay. You can go back to your seats if you want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But keep this keep this going for a second. Glory, we thank you, Lord. The ministers can stay up front. Those that are ministers come back up. <laughs> yeah, restoration now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Be now. Now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm telling you, 
You should know by just being in this atmosphere, God is, you've heard the good news. There's nothing for you to do but come and receive what God provided for you. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Don't delay. I want to invite you to come. Maybe you're out of the way. Maybe you have received Jesus before, but you're out of the way. And you need to make today a turning point in pursuing the Lord. Come. He'll take your broken life and he'll put it back together. I can testify to that. But it's going to require your trusting. And if you can't trust him in this atmosphere to come walk up here and join with with a believer who loves you and cares about you, then you're going to really have a hard time out there. So as we close this service, these ministers are up here. They want to pray for you. If you've never made Jesus Lord or you have and you're out of the way, and even if you want, if you have need of healing or you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, That is your inheritance. It's a direct line to the throne. So any of those things, I want to make sure that you know that that's what these people are up here for. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't let the fear of what other people might think hold you back. That's just the enemy trying to keep you from coming and receiving a new life. So I say in the name of Jesus, be liberated to come forward. And be blessed, church, in the name of Jesus, you're dismissed.